Just when you thought babies weren't the creepiest thing ever, another story to remind us that they are. (laughs) It's a weird, uh, kids are creepy. And then we travel to Arizona to take a look at a man who enjoys spending his days and nights hiking through the desert. But on one of these hiking expeditions, he discovers something that he was never meant to see. And now, they're after him. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some cool plans for the weekend. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, honestly. I have no idea what I'm doing this weekend, but I hope it is cool whatever I decide to do. Probably be a 72-hour nap. But someone who always has something awesome to do walking into Dead Rabbit Command is one of our legacy Patreon supporters, longtime supporter of the show, active member of the Patreon Discord, and always on the live streams as well. Everyone give it up for Rudy Jazz. Woohoo, yeah, walk on in. Yay! Rudy Jazz jumping on into Dead Rabbit Command. Rudy, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. I do. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so, so much. Rudy, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Drive us all the way out to a daycare center. Nice, leisurely drive to this daycare center. We don't have a specific location for this because if they ever gave out the location of this place, no one would ever let their kids go there ever again. Well, you know, it's interesting that I say that because I guess it would depend whether or not you believe in this phenomenon. I'm sure, like, there's so many bad daycares out there. You're constantly reading about the news. I think at a certain point, you're just like, I'm going to have my baby strapped to my back until they're 18 because there's just too many horrible things that can happen. And then you're mountain climbing. You're like, oh, this is okay. And then you fall directly on your offspring. I guess basically the moral of the story is kids are always going to get injured or have creepy occurrences happen to them. Let's take a look at this story because this this is a weird one. And think about it. Would you think about it from two points of view? One, if you heard that this was happening at your kid's daycare center, would you let your kid go back there? You're like, I at least want a discount. I at least want, I don't know, 40% off? You got to give me a discount here, guys. Would you let your kid go there? And then also, because it's Friday, imagine that you yourself are the baby or the kid or whatever. I don't know. Now all of a sudden, it's, look who's talking three. Let's go ahead and get into this. There's a, there's a little baby guy walking around with a cigar. Let's go ahead and get into this and just imagine yourself as a baby and and a... It would, never mind. Just, just listen to the story. Just listen to your story. You're all washing the dishes. You're like, what? This is way too much. This is way too much right now. I'm actually doing real life chores. We're in this daycare center. We're going to go ahead and call... The person who posted it didn't use their real name. We're going to go ahead and call her Elizabeth. She works at this daycare center with toddlers. So I had to look this up. A toddler is... Not a baby, per se. It's like one to three years old. So all of the characters in this saga are one to three years old. Except the daycare workers, of course. They're adults. But 
uh, toddlers. That's the time span. So not like tiny little baby people, but tiny people who still need their diapers changed. So at this daycare center, a little baby walking around and they poops in his diaper. And then the daycare workers, I'm sure, do a very, very intense game of rock, paper, scissors to decide who has to clean out that baby's diaper. And you go, you put the baby on the changing table, change the diaper. And the baby's just kind of, it's not baby, it's a toddler. So the toddler's like sitting there thinking about like Scooby-Doo and stuff while their diaper's getting changed. Standard toddler stuff. But Elizabeth said at this daycare center, there was one particular girl. We'll call her Patty. There's one particular little baby, baby Patty. She goes, one day we picked Patty up. She pooped her pants or peed. She wasn't specific on the bodily function, but she takes the baby, takes baby Patty to the changing table. They have this changing station set up and they put baby Patty down. And all of a sudden, Patty starts going, no, 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 no. And she's like swatting away, using her little legs and like karate chop and doing baby karate chops on Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is like, we need to change your diaper, honey. Let's just change your diaper. No, no, the man is watching. The man is watching. I don't know why she sounds like Edith Bunker from All in the Family. But... She's, the the man, the man is watching. No, no. And Patty would point up at the ceiling. Now, you understand that there's no man in the ceiling as adults. We understand that there's not a man in the ceiling. But you would look. If you were walking on the street and someone goes, Dude, there's a T-Rex right behind you. Ah! And they ran away, you wouldn't be like, I'm not going no matter what happens, I'm not gonna turn around. Even though you know that there's not a T-Rex behind you, you would look. You would turn around and double check. Right? And now I, if the guy goes, there's a T-Rex behind you, look, 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 and he's not running, now he's just gonna steal my wallet or something like that. But if he's like, if I'm the ground shaking, I hear the roar behind me and it's like, sorry, you're not going to get my wallet as he's already like a block away from me. If someone goes, look, look, and okay, maybe T-Rex was a bad example because that would cause like seismic disturbances. You'd hear police sirens and military helicopters all around. If someone came out of your bathroom and was like, dude, I don't know how to say this, but there's a man in your shower. And you live all alone. And you're like, what? Oh my God. You're, you're like, yeah, my dad's over right now. And he likes to take showers when people go to the bathroom. If, if someone have said, you can't, I don't know why I keep making up these hypotheticals. And then I wonder why my episodes are so long. Basically, you would look. And that's what Elizabeth did. A little toddler's going, there's a man watching a man. And Elizabeth would look up. And it's just a tile, like a ceiling. Just a ceiling with those tiles. And she goes, here's the thing. There would be times because it sound, doesn't sound like the most, most well-constructed daycare center. I mean, the one thing you want to... Well, two things you want at a daycare center is competent workers and a building that won't collapse at any given moment. But apparently, she says if you open the back door, if you open and close the back door, it causes a gust of wind to move through the building, which is fine, right? You... If you slam a door, you can feel the wind. But it moves the ceiling tiles. <laughs> There's so much force of air coming in that sometimes the ceiling tiles move, right? So sometimes there would be gaps up there. You know, they'd fix them. They'd get the broom and kind of knock them around, get them back. But 
Sometimes there would be gaps up there, but something that's never up there is a man. There's not a man watching. But of course, you would, just out of, I don't even know if it's curiosity. If someone points at something, for the most part, you're going to look. And a little kid going, there's a man watching. And you'd look up and there'd be no man up there. But Patty refused to let her diaper get taken off on the changing station. She refused. She put up such a huge fight. She'd be kicking and screaming the whole time. And then once they got her changed, because they, they would still do it, you know, you, your little baby's kicking you, you can still put on a diaper. They'd let Patty go after the diaper change, and she'd just go about her business walking around the daycare center. But then when Patty pooped or peed again, it's, oh man, are you kidding me? We have to deal with this screaming infant. I think it took them a while to realize. I think the first time she did it, that was weird. But by time 10... She's done this so many times. They're like, dude, if we pick her up and put her on the changing station, she's going to scream and cry and fuss. So eventually, every time, every single time they put her on that changing station, there's a man, there's a man up there. He's watching us. So eventually they just say, you know what? Let's just change Patty on the floor. (laughs) Don't tell her parents. (laughs) Don't tell her parents that we're going to be, the kids are building forts around her. They're all trying to change the diaper. The kids are like, wee, jumping on her and stuff like that. They're like, she's not trampoline. Just because she's laying on the ground. It doesn't make her a toy. But they change her on the floor. The parents, when Patty gets home, the parents are like, that's weird. Why, why, why is there a penny in my daughter's diaper? She's picking up all that debris. <laughs> she's like straight up dirty because that back door keeps throwing dirt around whenever you open and close it. Anyways, Patty was totally fine with being changed on the floor. She thought it was great. She no longer screamed about a man watching her. Kids are weird, right? Kids are super weird. Kids are going to say all sorts of goofy things. You just deal with it. You just deal with it. But a year later, that daycare has moved on like those kids have gone to preschool at this point. So she was probably like a three-year-old because then now they're going to preschool. A new group of kids come into this daycare center. And one day Elizabeth takes this little boy, we'll call him Joey, and she's like, Joey, did you go poop-poop in your pants? And he's like, maybe. And she takes Joey over to the changing station and lays him down and starts to take off the diaper. And all of a sudden, Joey's little body starts to tremble. And he points up at the ceiling tiles and goes, No, he's watching! He's watching! No! And she goes, These two kids didn't know each other. These two kids did not know each other at all. And it was the same thing with him. We could not change him on that changing station. He fought us every single time. We're like, we're just doing it on the floor. Let's just change little Joey on the floor. And it's interesting. So apparently other people have witnessed this phenomenon. Elizabeth wasn't the only worker who was having to change these kids. And they would be saying, there's, there's a man in the ceiling watching us. There's a man up there. The first time you would think it was a kid's overactive imagination, but by ha- when you have two kids that are saying the exact same thing in the exact same location under the exact same set of circumstances, you have to think that there is... Well, here's the thing. She knew, Elizabeth knew for a fact, there was nobody in the ceiling. 
she's like, I don't know how she knows that. I don't know if they ever like, spend the night. They ever spend the night in the daycare center telling spooky stories, and then walked up into the area. You could also just look up and go that that would not support the weight of an adult. Like looking at this cheap ceiling, looking at this cheap ceiling in this rundown daycare center, an adult would fall through that ceiling, and that's normally how it is with those kind of like. Listen, if opening and closing a door, if opening and closing a door makes your tiles shift around and leave gaps big enough that, you know, you can just see into the darkness, it's not going to hold the weight of a 180-pound man. I would argue it wouldn't hold the weight of a couple toddlers. <laughs> I think we can put that to a test. We got a bunch of them down here. Let's put them up and see. We'll, we'll have a little safety mat for them on the ground. We'll see how many we can put up in the ceiling before they all tumble out. At that point, you would have to go, it doesn't hold the weight of a man. When the first kid was seeing it, you would think it was just overactive imagination. When the second kid seen it, you would then start to think paranormal. This was posted online by someone with the screen name of Moonchild86. And you have to wonder, thanks for posting it, it's a pretty interesting story. You have to wonder... What would you do? Not, I mean, as a daycare worker, your options are pretty limited. This is what I was talking about in the beginning. Like, as a reasonable adult, if your kid came home and said, hey, like, hey, how was daycare? And they're like, hey, it was okay. But there's a creepy guy in the ceilings. I mean, definitely, if your kid told you that, you're headed down there with a shotgun that night and you're getting to the front door just shooting into the tiles. But then after you get bailed out of jail, your toddler goes, no, 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 no. I mean, like, I think he's a, a, a ghost, maybe? I just learned that word. If you thought that the daycare that your toddler was going to was haunted by the ghost of a pervert, because I think that's what's implied here, right? Would you let your kid go to that daycare? And it's not an easy question, because on the one hand... The answer is no, right? The answer is no. I don't want a creepy ghost staring at my kid, taking their clothes off. I mean, I don't even think I, I don't think any reasonable person does. But this is the thing: I would not allow it. I would not allow it. But what if one? They're the only daycare in town. <laughs> the other one's like miles away, and you're like, "Well, listen, we could spend we could spend an extra ten dollars a day on gas." To to the non-perverted daycare center. Well, see, here's the thing. If it was a real pervert, you wouldn't deal. You'd go down there with a shotgun. The situation would be over with. But if it's a ghost pervert, and, like, how would you explain that to your significant other? They're like, dude, seriously, we can't be driving all the way across town to go to this different daycare. And you would say, but honey, there's a pervert, there's a pervert ghost in the ceiling of this one, and I don't want my kid being stared up by some perverted spirit. Most adults would say, what in the world are you talking about? These kids have overactive imagination. The other day they said that there was a monster under their bed. Like, do you believe that? And you're like, oh no. Ah, you're, all run you're all running around the house. You're all boarding up the bottom of each bed. You have to be very careful what they say to certain adults. They'll believe everything. But you know what I mean? Like, at what point would you say, I'm not going to have my kid at this ghost pervert daycare center and the answer is not as easy as you think it is i would say because i don't have a kid i would say no dice never ever ever but if that daycare center 
was the closest to me and I still would drive out of my way or just put him on a backpack like my original idea, take him to work. Um, what if your significant other or the people you live with go, dude, don't be an idiot. The, there's no such thing as ghosts, for one. And then two, if there was, what can the pervert ghost do? <laughs> That's when you realize all your roommates are pervert ghosts. You're like, ah, you're part of the problem, <laughs> I wondered why you were always leaving to go to work at the same time I just dropped my kid off. Shouldn't be roommates with a bunch of pervert ghosts to begin with. They always take they always take that side. But you know what I mean? Would you be able to logically explain to someone, "Hey, why are you late to work today?" You're like, "Boss, I told you my daycare. It takes me an extra twenty minutes a day to drive my daughter to the daycare." And your boss is like, "But there's a perfectly good daycare right in your neighborhood." And you go, yeah, but there's, there's a ghost, there's a ghost, there's a ghost up there. I mean, like, mo I love talking about the paranormal. We all love talking about paranormal, looking at it. So to us, it's not a huge issue. But the thing is, is like, to most people, even people who believe in ghosts and supernatural and stuff like that, they still don't talk about it out loud. So to most people, if you tried telling your boss, I'm going to be late to work for a while because I don't want to take my daughter to a haunted daycare. I'm trying to find a non-perverted, non-haunted daycare for her to go. Your boss will will think you're insane. Most people would. Most people would. It would be better off lying and say, oh, asbestos. They found asbestos in the ceiling and lead in the water. They're like, oh, yeah, no, totally. Take your time. Find another, find another daycare center. And you'd be like, oh, God, sweet. But when you then have two kids both saying that there's a creepy pervert watching them change, I think you have the duty as a parent to move your kid. That I, I will I think that's probably a good idea. I think people are like, yes, Jason, we all agreed with you. We don't know why you talked about that for the past seven minutes. There's not a single person who'd go, you know what? You know what? That drive, that commute's too long. Sorry, kids, you gotta stay at the haunted pervert place. Nobody would say that, Jason. Why were you doing this big hypothetical thing? Everyone just kind of shook their head at the same time and go, how do we make it work? Rudy Jazz, go ahead and catch the keys of the world-famous Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind this daycare center. Fly us all the way out to Arizona. <laughs> The year is 2015. We're in northern Arizona in the middle of nowhere. We're out in the desert and we see a truck pull up. And out steps a man who enjoys being out in the middle of nowhere. He did not give his real name when he was writing this account. We're going to go ahead and call him Charles. But this is what he loves to do. He loves to just get out and spend time in the desolate wasteland of northern Arizona. I mean, I say that, but there's like shrubs and probably like birds and stuff like that. Maybe coyotes, lizards, lots of lizards. And he just likes walking through the area. I mean, he'd actually park his pickup truck and just kind of explore the landscape. And he's done this multiple times before. This isn't the very first experience he's had out there. But he's enjoying it so much that he goes, you know, it's actually getting kind of late. I'm just going to sleep in my truck tonight. Maybe do some more hiking tomorrow. But for now, sleep. So he hops in his pickup truck. Oh, yeah, stretching out. 
Rolls down his windows for some fresh desert air. Charles is just sitting out there in the middle of nowhere with the windows rolled down. Full moon lighting up the desolate wasteland that surrounds him. When all of a sudden, he sees movement outside of his car. He goes, I'm, I'm sitting there and I see my driver's side rear view mirror. Like that external rear view mirror. He goes, I see something moving behind the car. It's interesting, he's very calm while he's looking at this thing. But um, that changes. That changes fairly rapidly. He sees something. He goes, I would estimate it was about four to six feet behind my truck. And it was walking, just walking behind my truck without a care in the world. And he described it as an eight foot tall humanoid. Didn't get a good look at its face. Didn't get a good look at a lot of the features of it. He goes, the way that the moon was is I could perfectly see its silhouette. Couldn't tell you how big the eyes were. Couldn't tell you what a lot of that stuff was, how big the nose was, if it had a nose. But he goes, I saw this eight-foot-tall humanoid walk by. Incredibly skinny. Very, very skinny, very, very tall, long arms dangling down. He said the elbows were kind of in an odd spot. They weren't where... Even if you had gave a human long arms, the elbows seemed to be in the wrong spot. Tall, skinny, long arms. He goes, the neck alone was a foot long. Or a foot tall would probably be a better way to put it. So this is not just like an emaciated human. <laughs> Some guy being like, oh, I've been lost in the desert. I need water. And he's like, ah. It wasn't like that. Like this was definitely some sort of creature... But you couldn't say it was a gray alien. You couldn't say it was really alien at all. It's just something he's trying to make sense of this thing. One interesting... I mean, the whole thing. There's <laughs> an eight-foot-tall monster walking around in the desert, right? But what's what I think is interesting is a lot of times we see similarities, and sometimes it's interesting to see these stark differences. It had... Because I, when I was seeing this, I go, maybe it's one of the crawlers. I had experiences with these things. I saw... Two of them, and I didn't even know there was a term for them. I didn't even know what I was looking at. I'll put that episode in the show notes, but... This thing, this wasn't that. This wasn't that, because those are just these long or tall... Long, because they walk walk on all fours, these weird-looking human... It's creepy, just to even remember seeing being close to one. I only saw the hindquarters of one, but it's this long, tall... It's like if you took a human and made him walk on all fours and never fed him anything, and he's super emaciated in his skin is gaunt, and that is kind of what he's describing, but this one's walking on two legs, and it had a four-foot-long tube, or what he believed was a tube. Again, he's just looking at this in the silhouette. A four-foot-long tube-like object protruding from its jaw. And he said it actually dangled all the way down and then came to a point at the bottom as if it was a beard. But he didn't say it was a beard. He didn't, it didn't move like a beard. He described it as being a tube coming off of this thing's jaw. This humanoid walked very slowly, very deliberately, not like a predator stalking prey. Charles said it almost looked like it was it was having difficulty moving. 
it was very painful for this creature to even have any sort of locomotion. He goes, the way that it walked seemed like walking was a struggle for it. Now, he's taking all of this in. He sees the silhouette. He's taking in how it's moving and all that stuff. And Charles is like, okay, this is creepy. I've never seen anything like this before. I'm just going to roll up the window. <laughs> That'll clearly protect me from the eight-foot-tall monster in the desert. Well, he goes to roll up the window, and he has one of those newfangled cars with the automatic windows, and the car shut off because he was just enjoying the solitude. And he goes to do that, and it's just like, click, click. And the window's not rolling up. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot I live in the year 2015. Most cars now have automatic windows. Well, when he's clicking this button, the creature turns and looks his way. And he said even the way it turned its head was just kind of this very slow, deliberate turn. Staring right at Charles. And Charles is sitting in the car. He's watching all this out of the rearview mirror. He still can't see what this thing's face looks like. But, I mean, you can understand movement and motion. And you go, oh, okay, now it's looking at me. Like, just the way the silhouette has turned, it's looking at me. And he starts to think, okay, I'm going to die. Like, this is the end of me. He goes, this thing is clearly going to kill me. And it's going to kill me for one reason. It's starving to death. I don't know what it is. But it is starving. I can see how emaciated it is. It's going to kill me. And eat me. He goes, my only option I could think of at the time was. If this thing takes one more step towards me. I'm going to turn on my car. Roll up the window. And just drive away as fast as I can. Which is not a bad plan. I probably would not roll up the window first i probably would start driving first but anyways and you figure you know he'll he'll just speed out of there anyways but you know it's nighttime in the desert sure he has headlights but he's going to be driving through it took him a while to get here in the first place right he's driving his truck over this terrain and then he gets out and walks around in the middle of nowhere so it's not like he's like on a city street is like see you later sucker and there's like he can make all these quick turns and lose it so he goes i'm gonna roll my window up and drive out of here and safely get back home he puts his hands on the keys, they're in the ignition, and this figure is still just staring at Charles. And then it just slowly turned its head and walked away. Continued on its journey, it was moving, just walking by the back of the car, right? He totally was ignoring it. This creature, whatever it was, was totally ignoring it. Stopped, look at Charles, and now just his continuing on his journey. He made no movement, no threats, nothing Towards Charles, he just moseys on by. Charles said that he waited for about a minute, and then he drove away. It's a minute longer than I would have been there, but anyways, he said he waited a minute, and he drove away, and that was that, until you gotta go back, right? You would have to go back in this type of situation, your curiosity would be piqued. Again, when you, if you saw a UFO, if you saw a ghost, if you saw Bigfoot, you know what those things are. And most of those you may go back as well. Check them out. But you know what those are. But when you see something totally unexplainable, it's not like you can even really talk to anyone about it. 
um, how do you categorize this? So curiosity would get the best of you, and he realized this thing made no threatening actions towards him, right? Maybe he'd go out there and find out it was some weird trick of the light. On these particular nights, there's always a cactus in the exact same position and a bunch of squirrels hanging out on it, and it makes the shape. You would go, you would be curious to go back. And also, remember, this is his turf. He goes out into the desert all the time and hiking, and you wouldn't want to be afraid to go back out to the place where you find peace. So I think both of those, I think curiosity, and then also, you know, kind of reclaiming what you what you own, what you love. About a month later, he goes back out there. During the day, he's not an idiot. He is going back out there when he's not an idiot. He goes back out there during the day, and he finds the exact same spot he was at. And he parks his car, and he gets out. And here's the thing. like He was like, what was that? And, and where did it come from? Not just from a metaphysical sense, like what plane of existence, but like, no, literally, where did this thing come from? It, it just appeared out of the middle of nowhere. Sure, it was night. But, like, where would it have come from? There's nothing around here. I don't understand it. I've never seen anything like that before. And then all of a sudden I see it. It's right next to me. Well, he begins to just hike around this area. This area in particular. And he's just going, exploring, looking at all this stuff. And he comes across something that he had never seen before out here. But it's a vast desert. It's not like he's been everywhere. Of course there are going to be things you haven't seen. And what he's looking at, he can tell this has been here for a long time. This has been here longer than I've been hiking. So it's not that it's happened recently. I've just discovered it. But maybe this is a clue. He describes this place looking like an old crash site. Now, he doesn't say that he sees debris. He doesn't say that he sees pieces of metal or anything like that. He goes, the reason why he's using that terminology, he goes, because clearly there is a depression in the ground. It looks like something impacted here. It's not a deep hole, but in the crater, I guess would be another good word for it, not a giant crater, but in this crater, there are rocks with scorched marks, but there are also bushes growing in and around this crash site. So he goes, whatever happened, happened a while ago. I mean, definitely nature has reclaimed the land, but there's still... Evidence that something crashed here, whether it was a plane, a meteorite, or something else, this is a unnatural deformation of the ground. He's kind of standing around, he's looking at this thing. Beep, 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 beep. He's looking around, he's like, wait, what? Beep, beep. <laughs> he's standing in the middle of the desert he's standing in a place that he's never been before and he enjoys the middle of the desert and he can clearly hear because it's so quiet out there the sound of a truck backing up beep 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 and as well as hearing the beep beep beeping of a truck backing up he hears 
heavy machinery. And he goes, it wasn't like a guy was just driving a dump truck somewhere. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Someone's driving a dump truck somewhere. But he goes, this, the, the amount of different noises that I'm hearing, I'm not even just hearing one truck going beep, beep. I'm hearing five, six, a dozen. He goes, it sounds like somewhere, somewhere there is a huge construction project going on. He goes, not the volume level, but the amount of different noises. He goes, you can hear all of this heavy machinery going on. You hear all these trucks moving. Not the volume, but the amount of different noises would be akin to you walking by a construction site. So he, he's like, someone's building something out here. That has to be what's going on. So he actually... He has to get to the bottom of this mystery, right? You have to figure out what's going on. And really, at this point, just to realize that you're not insane. But also curiosity, right? Maybe you don't mind about being insane, but you're also super curious about it. He hiked back to his pickup truck and began driving all around the area looking for this construction site. They're building something in the middle of the desert. He wants to know what it is. Can't find anything. Finds nothing. He's driving around for miles. He's looking. He has a perfect view of everything around him. And if he can, if there happen to be like a plateau in front of him, he just drives around it. So on his pickup truck, he's driving around for miles and miles and miles. He cannot figure out where they're, where they even would build anything. I mean, you, technically, you could build it anywhere. But where in the world are... Where in the world are these noises coming from? But here's the thing. He's realizing, too, the more he drives out, he can't really hear the noise. He doesn't. It's not like he can hear the construction sounds as he's driving around. When he jumps out of his pickup truck, he's walking around, he's, he can't hear the construction noises. It's not like they're echoing through the desert. And he, again, has to, has to realize, okay, this is insane, but he hops back in the pickup truck, drives back to the crash site, gets out of his pickup truck, and just stands there motionless. Here's the noises again. And then he gets down on his knees, Gets down on his belly. Puts his ear to the ground. Beep, beep, beep. The noises are coming from underground. Heavy construction. And it's not just the, the sound of a dump truck underground would be alarming enough. But what he hears is the sound of a huge team of people, hopefully, right? I mean, hopefully people working underground. And he gets, he's shocked, right? I think anyone would be. He gets back to his feet and he's dusting his clothes off and he's like, what in the world? But this would really be the end of the mystery, like... There's there's construction going on underground. How would I even how how would I even 
find out more about this. You apply for a job, right? You're going to go join the construction team? Your mind would be racing. Is this this a U.S. government thing? Is this like a totally normal bomb shelter program? Or the fact that there's a monster walking around in the desert and this seems to be directly underneath this crash site who knows what crashed here what is going on and all these thoughts are racing and then he notices the pickup trucks he said when i got back to my feet i looked and there's two white pickup trucks kind of off in the distance just parked not super far away they're close enough that i noticed that their windows are completely tinted black and they're close enough to me that I know that they're there for me. And he goes, and I turn and I kind of hurriedly start walking back to my pickup truck. And as I'm getting in my pickup truck, I see two more white pickup trucks pulling up. Uh, to say that he's paranoid at this point would be an understatement, right? This is every conspiracy theorist, alien hunter's worst nightmare. There's one thing tangling with Bigfoot. It's one thing greeting aliens. It's another thing to, it's another thing completely to tangle with what's most presumably the U.S. government if not some shadow organization, some black book project within the U.S. government. He hops in his pickup truck and starts driving away, and he's like, oh, dude, like, this is not going to end well. Like, I've, I stumbled upon something that I wasn't supposed to know about. Like, they never announced this in the local newspaper, this underground construction site underneath a crash site with a monster nearby. Charles is driving through the desert. At first... You don't, you know, you think, well, maybe those, maybe those four pickup trucks are just more workers going underground. Charles is driving through the desert, and he knows that these cars are behind him. Whether or not he sees them, he knows that he's being pursued. He knows that he's seen something he's not supposed to see. And he pulls out. He finally gets all the way to the main highway. Now he's driving down the road, and he sees... At one of the exits off the highway, he sees a white pickup truck with blackened windows. Okay, this is how it's going to go. This is how it's going to go. And then he keeps driving. He comes up to another exit, and there's another white pickup truck with blackened windows. He's like, yep, okay, so these people are definitely after me. This This was not just a coincidence. He just keeps driving. He's like, I'll drive all the way to California. I don't care. I'm not getting off. Well, one of the pickup trucks begins pursuing him. He's continuing to drive down this road. I think at this point, still fairly reasonable speeds. But when one of these other white pickup trucks with black windows not only comes off of an exit onto the highway, but then tries to overtake him, he goes, these, they're going to box me in. They're going to force me off the road. He goes, I pedal the metal. We're going 90 down the road at this point. And I got one right on me. And this other one's trying to overtake me. And he goes, we are flying down this highway. And the only thing I could do is basically at a certain point, we're just kind of, they're trying to box me in. I'm trying to get around this front pickup truck. 
And finally, I'm able to outmaneuver them slightly, right? This it was no Steve McQueen's type stuff. I was finally able to take an exit, but you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They'll just get off. It's not like they're like, oh no, oh no, exit 16. We can't exit there. We don't have jurisdiction. He takes the exit and he goes, they're just going to take the exit too. Like this, they're going to pursue me until they pull me over or I run out of gas. Like what, what could possibly, how is this going to end? His heart's pumping. His mind is racing. He pulls off on the exit and he sees the two white pickup trucks stop pursuing him. He said both trucks slowed down, made a U-turn, and they both drove back the way that they came. But Charles knows the first rule of escaping authorities. This is the first thing you're taught when you might ever have to outrun cops. The first thing you're taught is you can't outrun a radio. You can outrun individual patrol cars, but you can't outrun a radio. Once they have your license plate, you may get away that day, but you know, three months later, you're parked at a Starbucks and they, oh, that's the license plate of that car we're looking for. You can't outrun a radio. And he knows that this car behind him got his license plate. He wasn't out there to spy he wasn't out there to do any sort of criminal act he didn't he didn't have fake plates on his car or no plates he had the plates that register that are registered with the dmv that are linked to his home address and he said he goes when i got home i just kind of sat there and waited and the waiting didn't end for a while. He goes, I would think, I would just constantly think, one of these days, one of these days, there's going to be a knock on my door. And it's going to be, at the very least, an uncomfortable conversation. But he goes, it's possible that, you know, I wake up and there's a pistol aimed at my head and I'm, I'm killed. Like, I saw something that I shouldn't have seen. I stumbled upon something that I was not supposed to know about. They were not pursuing me down the road because I left a coffee cup on the top of my car and they wanted to be friendly. They wanted to stop me. And if they're willing to have a high-speed pursuit in the middle of the day down an Arizona highway, they will show up at my house. At best, they'll read me the riot act and say that I... If I reveal any of this, I'll be convicted of treason. At worst, they'll silence me permanently. And he goes, I did not tell any of my friends about what happened. He goes, because I didn't want to implicate him. He goes, this was a story I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want any of them to know about it in case the worst happened. I didn't want them going after them as well. But the knock never came. The visit never happened. And he's posting this story in 2023. I got this on phantomsandmonsters.com, a phenomenal, phenomenal website. Everyone go to it. They literally put out more material than I can cover. They put out maybe five or six articles a day. Somebody wrote in and told this story, and they said, listen, seven years later, it's been seven years since this all happened, I still have no idea. I still have no idea about any of it. I don't know what I saw walking around my car. 
I have no idea what that was. Was it even connected? I mean, you would assume it was. But what was that? What was the digging going on? Like, I clearly heard all of that ruckus down there. What are they... Are they excavating something? Are they building something? Both? I don't know. I have no idea what I saw or what I heard. And I don't even really know why they didn't knock on my door. Because I clearly saw and heard something. I've always wondered what was happening out in the desert. Been seven years and that mystery has never been solved. But it's also been seven years since I stepped foot in that desert again. I barely got away the last time. And I'll never be going back. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at Dead Rabbit Radio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.